Hi, this is Colin McCallan. Thank you for listening. Please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. Thank you. Welcome to Is This Legal? Here are your hosts, attorneys Colin McCallan and Russell Hevitz. In April of 2019, Rahel Aguilera Medeiros was driving a semi-truck through the Colorado mountains. He was an inexperienced driver, new to mountain driving. He made it over the pass and was headed down into Denver. On the way down, his brakes failed. He missed a runaway truck ramp and drove on the shoulder, hoping the grade would level out and slow him down. He did that until another 18-wheeler was parked on the shoulder in front of him. He had lost all control at that point and ended up crashing into stopped traffic on Interstate 70 outside of Denver. The crash caused a 28-car pileup, killing four and injuring many others. My name's Russell Hebbets, and I'm here with my partner, Colin McCallan, for this week's episode of Is This Legal? Hello, and we are going to be talking about this case because it's certainly a tragic case. Four people lost their lives. But the reason that we're going to be talking about this case is because of the sentence that uh, was just handed down to Mr. Aguilera Medeiros. He was just sentenced, Russ, to 110 years of prison for this act. Uh, That is a sentence that we find um, grossly uh, disproportionate in terms of actually what happened in this case. And it's created a lot of uproar in Colorado. And so today we're going to, we're going to look at this case. We're going to talk about sentencing in general. We're also going to be talking about the role of the prosecutor because, uh, uh, the both the elected DA as well as the two DAs who tried this case are also in the news. A lot of uh, for some of the aftermath uh, that went on with this case. A lot of drama around this case, and and that 110 year sentence essentially, Colin, is a life sentence for a crime that had no criminal intent whatsoever. Absolutely, and so uh, that's what we're going to be getting into today. Um, so, uh, Russ, in terms of uh, I mean, let's revisit the facts a little bit more. This uh, this happened, um, you know, it was, a, it was a tragic case. It happened during the winter uh, where a trucker is essentially going down kind of a steep section of I-70. He loses control of his car, is his truck, um, cannot stop the truck. This is a runaway truck. I- impossible to stop the right. truck, yeah. right? This was not him not hitting the brakes, not using an emergency brake. The truck's on the trailer section. He's hauling a trailer that I don't know how many tons it weighs, but the truck, the trailer brakes failed. Mm-hmm. What, what, what this is not... This is not a situation where Rohel Aguilera Medeiros was intoxicated. Um, this is not a situation where he was driving recklessly. Like there's no allegation that he was traveling 120 miles per hour um, or, or driving in any other way recklessly other than the fact that he lost control of his uh, truck. Yeah, so here's, here's what the DA has that kind of led them to these charges. There are some bad facts for... Um, Mr. Aguilera Medeiros. He he was seen, some witnesses said he was driving too fast earlier. 
Okay. He did miss a runaway truck ramp. After his car, or I keep saying car, after his truck was um, already out of control. Yes, exactly. So that for anyone who doesn't know, who's maybe lives out in the plains somewhere, runaway truck ramps are these just giant ramps that are designed specifically for this situation. Mm -hmm. When you have a truck whose brakes fail, because this is not uncommon, right? Right. Um, So that the truck can hit this ramp and that ramp is at such an angle that the momentum is stopped. And the ramps are actually just like deep sand. Right. And actually I have a funny story about this. A, uh, (laughs) so a friend of a friend, well, one of my, one of my friends from law school, his, his buddy from high school was driving through the mountains and decided that that a runaway truck ramp looked like a lot of fun. Oh my God. And so in his passenger car, he hits this runaway truck ramp, ramp, picturing himself driving up it at, you know, 65 miles an hour instead, which is what they're designed to do. He just buried the front right. nose of the car. Didn't go up the ramp Didn't at all. Didn't go up at right, all. Right. No, this is designed for like, I don't know, like thousands of tons, right? right? But anyway, he misses the runaway truck ramp, and he instead he ends up staying on I-70, and despite his efforts, he ends up careening into several vehicles. This was a horrible, horrible accident, and obviously four people died. And so um, this is a high-profile case for us because um, a lot of this made the media. When oh, four yeah. people die in this type of accident, uh, people are going to talk about it. And um, one might argue that that puts some pressure on the prosecutor uh, in this case, to uh, in, in regard to the charging decision, um, because let's look at that, Russ. I mean, there there are certain ways, there are certain crimes that absolutely fit this type of conduct. Uh, I mean, first of all, there's careless driving causing death. That's essentially where a person is driving carelessly and they cause the death of, the, of another person. Um, in this particular case, uh, prosecutors charged a vehicular homicide as well as vehicular assault. What they were alleging there is that uh, Mr. Aguilera Medeiros was driving recklessly and while driving recklessly caused the death of these four people. But they have to prove uh, with regard to a reckless standard that he was uh, acting in a willful or wanton manner with regard to the safety of other of other motors. Yeah, that, that, that basically, this was an accident waiting to happen. You right. know? He, he, he willfully or wantonly disregarded a risk of death or serious bodily injury happening. Now, careless driving, that's that's punishable by up to a year in the county jail, okay? Right. Maybe not, not the most appropriate charge here. Vehicular homicide, though, Russ, that's a charge that carries with it two to six years for each victim. Um, so this is this this could definitely have been a prison case no matter what. But vehicular homicide, Russ, is not a mandatory sentencing offense. What that means is that this man, if he, if he was convicted of vehicular homicide, he could have gotten probation. Okay? Right. He, he didn't have to go to prison. Right. It would have been up to a judge. A judge would have had discretion. A judge could have sentenced him to as much as 24 years because six years on each count for four deceased victims run consecutively gets you up to a maximum of 24 years. That's right. Okay. And, uh, and the, the district attorney, uh, the district attorneys who handled this case, uh, they, they weren't happy with that, Russ. They didn't feel like that was enough. Right. So, so what did they do? So the first district attorney, when this happened, this happened, as I said, back in 2019 at the time, gentleman by the name of Bob Weir was the elected district attorney in the first judicial district. That is essentially Jefferson County coming 
down out of the foothills into Denver. Peter Weir, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Peter Weir. Bob, Bob Weir is uh, with the Grateful Dead. <laughs> so, 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 <laughs> yep. Peter Weir, not Bob Weir. <laughs> Thank you for that correction. I was say, Bob Weir is still on tour, man. I, 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 <laughs> right. I don't know if he was doubling up as a DA, but go ahead. <laughs> All right. So Peter Weir, sorry about that. Um, so he's the one who actually made the initial or his office. Don't know if it was him per, per, uh, personally, but they made the, the decision to charge not just vehicular homicide, but also to charge first-degree assault. Right. Now, first-degree assault is very different from vehicular homicide in a couple of significant ways. The most significant, Colin, is that first-degree assault is under the terms that it was, well, really under under however you charge first-degree assault, it is what's called a crime of violence. What that does is that triggers mandatory sentencing. That's correct. And and essentially what they're doing here is they were using a charge that's not directly related to this. They're taking the charge of assault and we're going to say, okay, we're going to say that uh, that this guy was basically acting recklessly. And in the course of doing that, he assaulted these other uh, drivers. Uh, and by killing them, this then becomes a crime of violence. Russ, 10 to 32 years for each count. Uh, That's a mandatory sentence. This guy will be sentenced to prison for a minimum of 10 years, maximum 32 for each victim uh, for each count of uh, first degree assault. So that absolutely adds tremendous teeth to the charges that this man was facing. And after trial, the jury came back guilty on four counts of vehicular homicide for the four people who were killed, guilty on six counts of first degree assault, and guilty on 10 counts of attempted first-degree assault. Right. So the jury ends up convicting him of some of these mandatory sentencing offenses, which, by the way, include attempted first-degree assault. So there there are mandatory minimums all over the place where this guy was th- – th- there was no choice uh, but for the judge to send him to away for many, many, many years in prison. Now, Russ, here's a question for you. I'm assuming the jury, in reaching these verdicts, knew – uh, the import of their actions. In other words, they, they must have known that this man would be sentenced to such a significant term by their verdicts, right? Well, you know what happens when you assume, Colin. Uh, <laughs> and in this case, as with any other criminal case, the jury does not have a role in punishment. Right. Which means they have no idea that they have just handed down verdicts that are going to send this guy to prison for 110 years. Exactly. They have no idea. Yeah. Now, they did They did agree with the prosecution's theory that this was reckless conduct right. on behalf of Mr. Aguilera Medeiros. In other words, they they went beyond mere careless and said this was this was reckless, which allows them to find him guilty of these added counts. But I would venture a guess to say that many of these jurors, if not all of them, would have absolutely guffawed at the notion that their verdicts ended up resulting in a 110-year sentence. So we said, you know, Peter Weir was the one who originally instituted these charges. Alexis King is the DA who took over, was elected after Peter Weir. Right. She was Um, elected in 2020. Right. And so she kind of, she got handed this, but she could have, when she got elected, Colin, she could have changed the charges, right? Well, this is interesting. Okay. So what, 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 Here's what's going on right now. Right now, there is a petition circulating around that has almost 5 million signatures uh, 
uh, from from people all over the country asking that the sentence in this case be reduced. There is tremendous blowback uh, that the district attorney, Alexis King, that she is feeling right now. And she has made statements uh, to the media like, well, this was my predecessor's case. You know, this was this was a charging decision that my predecessor handled. And, you know, I have an issue with that, Russ. She's the elected DA. Yeah, obviously the crime occurred before she was elected, but she's overseeing the prosecution. The idea that she's saying, oh, well, this decision was made by my my uh, predecessor. I can't intervene with this. I can't change anything. She is backpedaling as hard as she possibly can right now because of of, of the attention that this case has uh, garnered. Yeah, and it's and it's complete BS. It is. Right? She could have she could have made a plea offer at any time. Dude. She could have reduced the charges at any time. Who controls the the charging decision, Russ? Prosecutors have carte blanche decisions as to what charges are filed. A cop can come in and say, here's what I arrested him for. Here's what I want to charge him for. A DA looks at it and says, I don't think that's appropriate. I'm going to change it. And that happens all the time. Right. It is That is the prosecutor's role. So for her to say first to try to avoid what responsibility and say, Oh, this was Peter Weir. She could have changed it at any point. Right. And the fact is she went forward with these charges, knowing full well that they carried these mandatories. Right. No, you know, this is not unusual. Um, I mean, I, Russ and I were both DAs. We were talking about this the other day. I mean, um, if, if, uh, if you're if you're a DA and you're handling a case and you you can make a plea offer to a defendant, you could say, "Here, I'm willing to offer you this deal in exchange for you taking it and not wasting my time at a trial." Um, you know, oftentimes the defendant will say, "No, I don't want to take that deal. It's not good enough, or I don't think it's appropriate." And what often happens in that situation is the case will get set for trial, and then the DA will add more charges. Russ, right. the DA will uh, will charge anything else that they can. And there's two reasons that they do that. At least there's a couple that come to my mind. You know, first of all, um, you're you're kind of telling the defendant, all right, if you're if you're going to plead not guilty when, when when we believe that you're guilty of this crime, we're going to charge you with everything we can. We're going to hold you accountable um, and make sure that you don't escape responsibility. But also, Russ, uh, there's there, it's a little bit more subtle, a little bit more strategic. By adding charges, you gain leverage over right. the defendant. Right. You're saying, okay, um, you're not taking my plea deal. I'm going to go ahead and add these mandatory charges. I'm going to force you into a deal. Right. Okay. All, all of a sudden, a plea to what you, the DA, originally proffered seems a lot more compelling once you're facing an extra five charges that you weren't facing right. before. And, and think about this uh, from, from the defendant's perspective. I, we don't know what the plea deal was that was offered in this case, but let, let, here's an example. I mean, we just talked about how one of these, one of these counts uh, for first degree uh, assault resulting in death, it can, it, it can land 10 to 32 years in jail. If you're a defendant and the prosecutor's saying, here, I'm offering you six years in prison. Right. You go to prison for six years, uh, that will make sure that's that's the the maximum amount you spend in prison. Comparing that to the possibility of ten to thirty two, right. that has tremendous weight with it. That will put pressure on any defendant, even for a crime they didn't commit, uh, to uh, say, "My gosh, do I want to get out of here in six years or two decades?" And and for anyone out there who has ever had the conversation or wondered. 
why would someone possibly plead guilty to something that they didn't do? Well, this is why. Exactly. This is why. If you're looking, if you know that you can get a six-year sentence where maybe you're going to be out in, you know, three, four years and see your family and be out in time to right. see your kids graduate from high school, whereas the alternative is a minimum 10, a maximum of 32, where this could be all of your productive adult life. Well, you know, if that's the, the calculus... It sure seems like, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense yeah. to just take your medicine. Absolutely. And lawyers, uh, defense lawyers are in a difficult position for this because, I mean, this man said, I didn't do this. I I, I didn't do what they're, they're charging with. I'm, I'm innocent. But, you know, if you're a defense attorney in this situation and you're staring down the barrel of 10 to 32 years, knowing that your client could get like six years and be done. Guilt or innocence almost flies out the window in some senses because you're like, okay, what 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 is our risk reward? What, right. what what gets what gets the client through the the process as expeditiously as quickly as possible, even even if it results in the person taking a plea deal of something that they didn't actually right, do. Right, right. And so here's here's my problem. Like generally, when I was a DA, I would routinely do what you said, Colin. Case got set for trial, or even maybe even earlier, but at some point I'm looking through, and if let's say I have a third degree assault case, mm -hmm. I'm looking at it, I'm saying, well, you know what, um, harassment fits. You know, right. harassment is uh, is uh, lesser included, and I think that harassment or lesser non included, I think harassment fits. I think disturbing the peace fits. So I would add, I myself would add those charges right. because they fit. The, the issue I have with this case is they are, in my opinion, just shoehorning his conduct, Aguilera Medeiros' conduct, into a statute that was not intended for his conduct. Right. The statute that was directly intended for his conduct was vehicular, vehicular homicide. homicide. Right. Exactly. Like, it is directly on point. It's exactly what he did. And it is exactly what the legislature said. Here's what the punishment should be. The assault, it never envisioned using that statute in this kind of way with a vehicular homicide type case. Well, you know, Russ, it's, it's an interesting point. Um, I, I have seen this before. Um, and, but here, here's the stark example. I mean, I actually handled a case in Jefferson County several years ago. Um, it was a vehicular homicide case and the prosecutor in that case, same judicial district did exactly what they did in the case that we're talking about. They added first degree assault. Here's the, here's the difference though, Russ, that was a drunk driving case. The client, uh, that I represented was intoxicated. He was driving recklessly at speeds yeah. of a, like hundred miles an hour down like a 45 mile per uh, street. There was clearly an element of recklessness. He ended up killing a person and uh, in, in my opinion, uh, rightfully faced a very substantial jail sentence just because his actions were so egregious. We don't have those aggravators here though. Yeah. You know, we, we really, at the end of the day, this was an accident. This was a tragedy. Right. Um, but Russ, I think it's worth talking before we take our break. I mean, isn't it worth mentioning Four lives lost, Russ. I mean, one, two, three, four. This was this was a multiple homicide case. Um, doesn't that weigh in? I mean, what's the value of a human life, it, Russ? A absolutely, it's it's it's. A there tragedy. might be some people out there who are saying, "Well, I don't see the problem with this." You know, you know what I mean? There, there probably are, and and I, I mean, my heart goes out to these victims because people lost their husbands, people lost their 
brothers, people, people lost their family. And it's, it's tough to be in that position where you had someone taken away from you for the senseless accident, right? So, so that absolutely goes into the calculus. My, my issue with that is the disproportionate nature of this sentence right. for, for no well, criminal intent. Right. It, you, it, you, 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 we're supposed to punish the conduct, Russ. We're not supposed to punish the result. And, and I'm not saying that the result was anything but tragic. It's horrible. But at the same time, we don't have a guy here whose intention was to kill as many as pe- people right. as possible in this like mass homicide event. This was just a horrible tragedy. But, uh, if and, we're, and- if we're going to add some, uh, if we're going to add some fuel to the fire, Russ, <laughs> I think maybe it's time that we uh, take a look at what the prosecutors have done in this case immediately after the verdict, because uh, there's some spicy stuff here. I mean, stick around after our break. We're going to take a break to play Is This Legal? But when we come back, there is some huge drama involving not just the elected DA, Alexis King, who we'll go into more, but the trial deputies who tried this case it is frankly unbelievable what they did, yep. but you'll have to stick around to find out. We'll be back after we play Is This Legal. Our next guest is one of our longest, most faithful listeners ever. He was listening to this podcast back when Russ and I were talking into a couple of tin cans tied together with string. He lives in the Kansas City area with his wife and two daughters. He works at North Point Development and is the director of investments. Before that, he was head librarian and bookkeeper at the Shawshank State Penitentiary, a position he held until taking a rather long sabbatical in Zahuatanejo, Mexico. Uh, please welcome to the podcast, Andy Dufresne O'Hara. How you doing, Andy? I'm good. It is good to be here. <laughs> well, welcome, Andy. It's good to have you. Yeah, Andy and I are Thanks big fans of the movie uh, Shawshank Redemption, and uh, that was his nickname in college, so... Good so old Andy, Andy and Frank back with us. Andy and Colin go way back, listeners. So a- Andy, in addition to being our longest and most loyal listener, he also predates me for being friends or knowing Colin McCallan. Yep. yep, yep. Not well, too many people can claim those two things. So, um, in addition to being one of your uh, most loyal and longest time listeners, I have also recruited at least one other person. Yes. All right. So doing my share. So everyone that kind of advertising pays for itself. (laughs) So so everyone out there, everyone out there, recruit. I mean, you could you could go above that that bar (laughs) that Andy set, but if everyone out there recruits like (laughs) one or more people, then I mean, we're we're blowing up. You guys will have twenty listeners by the end of the week. (laughs) I mean, now 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 we're talking. Those are big big time numbers. (laughs) So Andy. you know how this works. Before we uh, make you a contestant here, you got any funny legal stories you'd like to share with us? Well, I have some legal stories that I could share, at least stories about you know me and various friends from college who will go nameless committing crime. But uh, I probably shouldn't bring those up. I don't want to tarnish anyone's reputation on the podcast. Podcast. Yeah, yeah, we definitely, we definitely don't want anyone's <laughs> reputation to be tarnished. And maybe it's just best if some of those. Stories remained uh, buried underground, right? I think we can all go. I'll, yeah. I'll agree with that. And just just for the record, for everyone out there, I did not go to college with Andy. <laughs> so, 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 <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> 
yeah, the, the statute of limitations may have passed, but uh, there's still other consequences that can that can come to me and my friends. So it's just <laughs> just the pure reputational hit. I, I really feel bad for whoever that friend is. Jeez, <laughs> I don't know who you're well, running around with, but man, it's crazy stuff. I, mean, I love it. I love it. Andy, are you <laughs> are you prepared and ready for this week's episode of? Is this legal? Oh, you know I'm ready. And before I get into it, I'm I'm gonna say definitely 100 percent team Jebediah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. They, we're, we're developing a theme with our listeners. <laughs> Jebediah yeah. is becoming Cor- pretty Cornelius. Beloved. Yeah, Cornelius does not get nearly the love as Jebediah. I love it. All right. Okay. With that being said, let's let's see if your actual guess uh corresponds with that prediction, Andy. Here is the scenario. Cornelius is in a bad way. Someone keeps stealing his Amazon packages from his front porch. Cornelius calls the police, but they can't do anything because there's no evidence to identify a suspect. Now, Cornelius suspects his nemesis, Jebediah, but so far, he has not been able to catch him in the act. Meanwhile, Jebediah goes over to his friend Myrtle's house, and after a couple of shots of moonshine, he laughs and tells Myrtle that he's the one who's been stealing Cornelius's package packages just for the fun of watching Cornelius's head spin around when he walks out on his porch. Myrtle takes this information and goes and tells Cornelius about this the next day. And Cornelius calls the police. Jebediah is arrested, but he pleads not guilty and the case goes to trial. At trial, the prosecutor calls Myrtle to the stand and says, what did Jebediah tell you about taking Cornelius's packages? Jebediah's lawyer objects on the grounds that anything Jebediah said out of court is inadmissible hearsay and cannot be allowed in the trial. Andy, should the judge allow this question to be asked? I mean, first of all, clearly this is a hypothetical situation because Jebediah would never take anyone's packages. True, true, true. Uh, (laughs) with respect to the specific question asked, uh, I believe that the that whatever Jebediah told Myrtle in Myrtle's home should be admissible as evidence. And why, Andy? Why? Uh, I don't really know. I'm not a lawyer. That's what you <laughs> Well, uh, guess what? It doesn't matter because you're absolutely right. Yes, Andy, of you are correct. Of course I'm right. I mean, I mean Andy, you've, you've obviously heard, like most people have, the Miranda advisement where they say anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. This is an exception to the normal hearsay rule because it is an admission by a defendant. Anything someone who is charged with a crime says with very few exceptions is admissible to prove their guilt. Now, Andy, are you ready for our part tour or follow-up? Oh, Absolutely. I was hoping I was going to get a follow-up. Oh, here it comes, man. Uh, Here comes a curveball coming right at you. Uh, We're going to change one fact. Instead of Jebediah telling Myrtle about what he did, um, 
Myrtle becomes aware of this information because her son, Josephat, tells her, hey, guess what? I saw Jebediah steal a package off of Cornelius' porch. So question, when, when we go to trial, with that change in fact, can Myrtle testify about what her son told her that he saw? I'm going to say no on that. Okay. Any particular reason why? Well, I'm going to say that if they want to call Je- Jehoshaphat to the stand, <laughs> they, they can't have Myrtle uh, testify as to what somebody else saw. Did you throw a jumping Jehoshaphat in there? Is that what it, was? <laughs> it was it was Jehoshaphat instead of Josephat. Yes. <laughs> well, but, but again, Andy, you are correct. Two for two, man. Again, I mean, you do, do the listeners see what can happen if you listen? If you're a regular listener to Is This Legal? I mean, you become sharp as a tack. You're just ready for these yeah. questions, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean I think I you, earlier, I where's your law degree? I think you just get a law degree by I, listening after I, 50 episodes. I, th- I think Andy can pass the bar at this point. <laughs> That's right. When I said earlier, I wasn't an attorney. I mean, maybe I should just become one. That's all, all I did was listen to this podcast for 80 hours or whatever it's been. Andy, Andy you're probably a common law attorney at this yeah. point. <laughs> We can get you a, a T-shirt that says, you know, I listened to this podcast and I got my law degree, something like that. I don't know. I'm not a the lawyer, but I listened to Is This Legal? <laughs> well, it's all the, good. Better thing, the better thing is the $10,000 prize for getting the answer right. I mean, that's, right. that's a reward in and of itself. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll mail that right off. <laughs> Andy Ratna, Ratna took care of that last week. So our, our, oh, yeah. our, our prize coffer is empty right now, yeah. Andy. Yeah, read, read, read the fine print, Andy. But uh, in closing, sir. Um, is there anything that you would like to plug to our listeners? Anything that you think our, our listeners should be aware of? I have, I have nothing that I would like to plug. I would like, uh, you know, everyone to stay off Twitter. Uh, you know, I don't know. That, that's all I got. All right, Andy, <laughs> you're up to here with the Twitter. So am I, man. I get it. Well, uh, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you've been a, an amazing guest and, uh, you have a very, very happy holiday season. Okay. All right, you guys too. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for playing. Welcome back, everyone. So as promised, we are going to talk about what went down after the trial with the deputy district attorneys who tried this case. And it, it is, it's going to blow your mind. I'm telling you right now. Colin, what happened? So yeah, there's, 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 there's more to this story. You can read all about it because it's made national news. But After the sentence came down, after this man got sentenced to 110 years, just this egregious sentence, um, one of the prosecutors, whose name is Kayla Wildeman, uh, she posted on Facebook, and uh, she posts a picture of a trophy that uh, was given to her by her trial partner, Trevor Moritzky, that he created from the brake shoe. Uh, We're not clear if it's from the semi in this case or just from a brake shoe from another semi truck, but he made her a trophy commemorating this trial win. It was from this accident. From this accident. And uh, this is what the post said. Uh, after uh, there's, you know, there's a picture of this trophy that she posts. And then this is what the text says. Get yourself a trial partner as great as Trevor Moritzky. He turned a brake shoe from a semi truck into a memento. What a special gift from a truly special person. I've never asked for a new BFF at work, let alone one that is old enough to be my father. No offense. Ha ha. But I'm sure I sure am grateful this trial brought you into my career as both a colleague and a friend. Words will never convey how lucky I am to have gotten the opportunity to learn from you. 
So she makes this post on Facebook publicly to her own Facebook profile. This thing goes viral. Uh, people can't believe this. I mean, this is the, 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 the outrage that well, this has caused, that, it, that these prosecutors are celebrating such an egregious sentence in this case is it, it's first of all this doesn't happen it's unprofessional it's unethical uh it, it and it makes this DA's office look like this was all one big game you are they are celebrating a 110 year sentence for a man who got into an accident right. now granted people died and I'm, I'm i'm truly i'm not trying to belittle that we're also not trying to say this guy should have never been charged to be clear russ and i are saying what this man did it was it was wrong he he did break the law he should be sentenced we're not even saying that 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 he shouldn't go to jail i right. mean he, he took four lives right 110 years though you gotta be kidding me i mean that, that's more than some mass murderers get and just the lack of empathy and the yeah, keep here's a here's a fact, Russ. A couple of the, the the family members of victims of this case actually asked the district attorney to not pursue this sentence. They they didn't want this man to go away for the rest of his life. They were they were asking for compassion, and this is the attitude that we're seeing these trial deputies evince. So 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 that's that's the trial deputies, which which is just. I mean, it just really sits so sour in my belly. Yeah. Um, but let's let's talk about the the top dog, Alexis King. Alexis again. King, right? Because Alexis King, as we said before, she's the one who authorized the continuation of these charges. So right after the sentence came out, and there was an uproar immediately. Right? Immediately, people said, "Why is this guy getting 110 years?" In fact, the trial judge right. himself, the, the sentencing judge, the sentencing judge who sat through the whole trial and sentence said, "If I had the ability, I would not be giving this 110 year sentence. This is excessive." And I, but he's like, "I have no choice." He, and, and he's right. His he hands is, are yeah, tied. Yeah. Right. And so 110 years is the minimum. That's the minimum sentence that this man could have received based on the charges he was convicted of. Right. So Alexis King, after this came out, said, well, you know, I would welcome a reconsideration. A sentencing reconsideration. A sentencing right. reconsideration. Yeah. You know, here, you know here, what, here's, Alexis? Here's, here's why that's hollow. You can't reconsider. He's already imposed the lowest sentence there is. Um, and so, and, and why, where was the DA before this? Where was the DA saying, maybe we shouldn't be throwing the book at this guy. Right. Maybe we should just try him on the conduct that he actually engaged in rather than trying to bootstrap all of these much, much more serious charges on this guy. Right. And it, so there's already a problem with culture, right? Right. There, there is, it, it's a, it's a huge problem with culture. Now, I mean, going back to it, there is an opportunity for reconsideration, but it's, it's basically how it works is. Within 91 days of Mr. Uh, Aguilera Medeiros being sentenced to Department of Corrections, Department of Corrections has to issue a report. And it's basically um, a diagnostic report, an evaluation of him. And really what it is is a, is a risk level. Like, is he a threat of violence? Is, how is he as an inmate? And then they can come back, and after he serves 119 days, so basically on day 120, they can ask for a reconsideration of the sentence. So that's built into the statutes in Colorado. But that is all discretionary. Right. That There's no guarantees on anything there. So for Alexis King to come back after the sentence is imposed and say, oh, no, I'd be happy to have a reconsideration. You know what? 
you know, I, we w- he w- he would have been happy if you hadn't charged the minimum mandatories that made him get 110 years. Right, exactly. And and so let's let's talk about winning and losing as a prosecutor for a second, Russ. Okay, because both you and I were prosecutors. Um, we both work in worked in big uh, district attorney's offices with multiple lawyers, multiple staff. You know, and um, look, I mean, we're we're. We're not necessarily saying that um, the prosecutor should not feel happy or enthused about a guilty verdict. Okay, right. I mean, when when I worked at the DA's office, um, people, you know, your your colleagues would go to trial, and you know, you, but I do remember a lesson. You 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 would want them to have a good result in trial. But I remember one uh, DA told me very early in my career. He said, you know, when you're a prosecutor, don't ask your fellow colleague after they've just completed trial, don't say, hey, did you win or lose? What you ask, you say, hey, what was your verdict? Did you get a good verdict? Did you get a fair verdict? There's a difference there, okay? Because prosecutors, it should not be, Russ, about winning or losing. It should not. It should not. I mean, the, the reason I think we're so upset about this trophy and, frankly, why a lot of people are upset about this is, is, is this is... This is a prosecutor basically celebrating a win. This is a cel- and, and and there are no winners in this case, right? Okay, um, th- to suggest that this is a win for the four uh, for the loss of the four lives uh, that were taken from this act from this tragedy. No, I don't think they view it that way. It shouldn't be viewed that way. Is it a win to send this man? Uh, who wasn't driving recklessly or drunk? Is it a win to send this man to a prison for 110 years? Absolutely not. So, you know, there there is a fine line, Russ. If you win a trial as a prosecutor, it's not something that you're supposed to boast about. It's not something that you're supposed to gallivant around saying, "Look, I'm the best attorney in the world." It, it, it's you're supposed to do justice as a prosecutor, and what was done here was an injustice. Right, and and that that kind of doing justice is exactly where it comes. And we're not saying that you know you should be robots. You know, obviously, no. if someone wins and it's a good trial and it's a just result, great. You know, congratulate them, celebrate the victory. This this really feels at a gut level like you're, you're celebrating sending a guy like we, we, hey, we wanted to see if we could get the jury to bite right. off on this and we got him too right, right. you know we 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 got our pound of sand and, and then more right and it just does not feel like justice yeah. you know i mean back in in the da's office when when i worked in in the da's office like passwords within the office were justice yeah. You know, like that was, that was the password to log on to the internal system, you know, but this feels like the password wouldn't be justice. The password would be, let's really stick it to them. Yeah. Right. You know, you've heard the expression, throwing the book at someone, this guy got the book thrown at him and it didn't have to happen that way. So, and again, this is, it's not, again, it's not like this is a convicted murder where it's like, all right, we've, 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 we've gotten this guy off the streets. This guy's never going to hurt anybody again. It's an accident, Russ. And I keep saying it, but it bears repeating. It was an accident. Colin, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? We don't know. Um, I mean, here's where things... There's a possibility of a light. Yeah. So, so, I mean, there's a lot out there on this case, if you want to do some further reading. And uh, lately, the Denver Post editorial board just uh, put out a editorial asking Governor Polis to step in and commute this man's sentence. Right. The district attorney, Alexis King, who we've been talking about, she just filed a motion 
asking the court to reconsider this sentence. Now, of course, that uh, appears to have been filed right after the uh, media splash happened with regard to this trophy. Right. Uh, she's trying to save as much face as she can. Dude, that's exactly what she's doing. But so there are a couple things in the works. Like there, there is a chance that this case gets reconsidered and after um, Mr. Aguilera Medeiros serves 120 days, maybe it gets reconsidered so that he doesn't spend the rest of his living life uh, as opposed to his deceased He's life. He's 23 years old, by the way. This is a young man. Young young guy. But so there is a chance for the reconsideration. There are, like you alluded to earlier, there are close to 5 million signatures on a petition to gener- uh, Governor Polis. So he can intervene. So there are a couple of avenues that can lead to a lesser sentence here. And, and from our perspective... I really, we really, really hope that it does lead to a lower sentence. And honestly, I hope that a case like this actually highlights the problems with mandatory sentences in general. I mean, Russ, we can do a whole podcast on this. We've touched on it several times. Um, But, you know, mandatory sentences are a really tricky business, okay? We see mandatory sentences in a lot of different arenas. We've heard about uh, how mandatory sentences were handed down in the uh, late 70s and 80s. Um, at, at the federal level to really go after drug offenders. Right. And we know that it had the uh, the import of penalizing African-American population much, much more discriminately than uh, white people. Right. And, and that's why we're actually trying to eliminate mandatory minimum sentencing. Uh, sentencing. This is another example, Russ, yes. of how a mandatory minimum sentencing has stripped a judge of all discretion. A judge is literally, like you said, uh, handcuffed in what he's able to do in this case because he has to follow uh, what the sentence is for these crimes. And I'm just going to say it. This, these these mandatory uh, sentencing offenses should have never been charged in this particular case. Right. They should only be used for the most egregious of offenders where society is comfortable sending a person uh, to a prison term uh, of length. Not in this particular case. Right. Though. Exactly. This 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 sentence does nothing to protect society in the future, right? This isn't a guy who's going to go out there and, you know, commit this right. crime again. This, this is his brakes went out, right? Right. He's, you're not deterring anything in the future. Right. Um, Incapacitation, that's another sentencing consideration. Is this person dangerous? Do we need to make sure this person is confined so they don't do it again? This isn't some, this isn't conduct, as you just said, that can be repeated. Right, right. Re- rehabilitation, that's another goal of sentencing. Right. Like, what are your rehabilitation? him from I mean like maybe you know be a better truck driver maybe we're t- maybe we should be talking about the company that he worked for right and who didn't train him well enough or who didn't maintain the truck well enough but right. those guys aren't going to jail but Russ this is strictly this is a sentence to me that's strictly based on punishment like yeah it's just we're, we're, we're gonna pound you because we can right and Russ it is not right. No, we do have an update in this case. Um, I think that the elected DA, Alexis King, is feeling the heat and the public pressure going on here. She uh, just last week uh, asked for the judge to reconsider uh, the sentencing in this case. <laughs> That's right. The DA who brought these charges who in the first place that landed this man in uh, prison for 110 years is now asking the judge, actually, let's, let's, can we, can we come up with something close to 20 to 30 years? Uh, a judge is going to set a hearing to determine that in January, uh, things like clemency, uh, through the governor commutation of the sentence by the governor, those things are all still in play as well. So we will continue to update as we get more information on this. 
All right. Well, we've we Colin and I are going to get off our soapboxes and we're going to bring what everyone has been waiting for, which is this week's edition of DC it's our the, best Christmas carol voice for you. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> that's, that's, I think this drops after Christmas, or so maybe Happy New Year. Uh, whatever. Happy holidays. Just, that's a, just a little holiday love from yeah, the guys great. at Habits and McCallum. <laughs> the dumb criminal of the week. What do we got, Russ? We have a winner, or should I say a loser? <laughs> I think you should say a loser. There are no winners in DCOTW except us. Except us and our listeners, right? But certainly a 26-year-old Adam Valley is not a winner. Adam Valley was in the jurisdiction of the Gladstone Police. This is a little town outside of Portland, Oregon. Oh, we're not in Florida today. We're not in Florida. I, wow. We had some Texas contenders, <laughs> but, but the, the Oregon one yeah. took, took the cake this time. So, so here's what um, Adam Valley decided to do. He decided that you know he was going to make his uh, career being um, a bike thief. Okay, so he's going to go around stealing bikes. And so he got his little checklist. He got his uh, ski mask check, mm-hmm. uh, bolt cutters oh, great. check, um, and a bike that he could steal check. Great. I mean, everything seems fine so far until you realize that the bike that he chose was literally just outside of the front door of the Gladstone police station. Wow. I mean, I kid you not, there is a video and a still shot. It says Gladstone Police directly above the bike, and you could see the front door directly to the right of the bike. He goes there in his ski mask with his bolt cutters. Tell me it was during the day. It was during the day. (laughs) (laughs) Within, I I kid you not. Within oh, 23 seconds yeah. of him trying uh, to steal this bike, a Gladstone police officer is out there confronting him. I'm kind of amazed it took that long. He, I mean, <laughs> I mean he, he initially tries to like half-heartedly flee. Like, right, <laughs> you know, nothing to see here. I, I'm right. not trying to steal this bike. Stop for a patrol. <laughs> the, the cop has his taser uh. and like pins him against the wall. Another cop comes and he is very quickly taken into custody. The uh, the quote from Sergeant Carl Bell of the Gladstone Police Department is, we saw him on the video screen and thought it would be a good thing to go talk to this guy. <laughs> by stepping out the front door. <laughs> by, by, by stepping out the front door. Oh, um, I mean, it is. Uh, was it a police bike? Or was it perhaps no. a, a bike belonging to a police officer? It, it or was, we it don't was know. not a police bike, okay. so it was just on like a public rack outside. But so, in front of the Gladstone Police Department. Exactly. So the cop said initially, you know, we thought maybe it's someone coming to collect their bike, but the uh, the ski mask and the bolt cutters kind of uh, <laughs> threw that <yeah>. off. <laughs> so, so, so he was charged with theft, criminal mischief, and felony possession of a weapon. Man. Um, and he had uh, already been arrested just a couple months months previously on similar charges. Oh, wow. Was he on probation? He was not on probation. I I think it was so soon. The other case hadn't settled yet. All right. All right. (laughs) Wow. Uh, So our knucklehead rating. So for Adam, what do you think about Adam? (sighs) Man, 
this is pretty stupid, Russ. Um, I mean, I, I've been handing out fives like candy, I feel right. like, lately. Right. And I'm going to hand out another five <laughs> here. I mean, like, I, I think what, what absolutely makes it a five out of five is that he's wearing the ski mask and the bolt cutters. He's got all that stuff in full daylight. Like, yeah. uh, we're, we're, we're just not making any secret of what we're doing here. We're going to just brazenly go up and try and steal right from a police department in broad daylight. Dude, and to think that the police department doesn't have video surveillance. Yeah. Like, I mean, what year do you think it is? Have you seen any police building? I mean, they've got like those mirrors you can't right. see inside. <laughs> right. there, there's probably like an armed dude, like regalia just ready to blow anybody away who's going to try and trespass or do anything in front of that police station. I mean, anytime I get within about a quarter mile of any police station, I assume I'm on video the right. whole time. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> no, they, they, they probably don't have cameras here, right? <laughs> All so, right. So, so I mean, are you handing out a five as well? I have to. Yeah. I mean, again, like you, I feel like I feel like being he more discriminating, it, right? but I mean, there's no way I can't I give, a give him a five. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Adam, sorry, you're a giant knucklehead and maybe change careers, yeah. buddy. You're not you're not good at this. Well, um, folks, uh, that is going to do it for us uh, for this episode of Is This Legal? We are going to provide you updates with regard to what happens with Rohel Aguilera Maderos. Uh, in fact, I think we're actually awaiting a few other uh, jury verdicts on some uh, podcasts that we've uh, just recently done in the past couple weeks. So we'll provide you all with some updates once we get them. But in the meantime, uh, this might be our last episode for the year. So yep. we're going to close out 2021 with this one. Uh, we wish you all a very safe and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Happy uh, whatever holidays. Holiday you're, whatever holiday you're celebrating. Right. And we'll see you next year. Thanks. You've been listening to Is This Legal? See you next time.